0: Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works Podcast, where we'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 101, Brake Pad Confusion, What is the Best Brake Pad? Uh, just want to mention, this is kind of more. Again, this is a t- sort of a technical article. Uh, it's written actually for a, a trade magazine. In other words, these are uh, magazines that go out to shop owners, technicians, so on and so forth. But I thought that it was uh, so well written, and it's not, you know, overly technical. Hopefully, that you're going to get, if you're interested in brake pads and and that kind of stuff, you'll hopefully get some good information from it. And like I say, it doesn't get real technical, so, but it is understand it is written from the viewpoint that it's for a shop owner slash technician, so on and so forth. Uh, I want to give credit since I am going to be reading it verbatim from the article. Uh, this is from a trade magazine called Break and Front End, and this particular article is by Andrew Markell. Before we get under that, just a real quick commercial. Um, I've recently... Uh, made it where the podcast is available if you want to support me and support the podcast i would really appreciate it the way you can do that is to become a uh you know through a patron and uh if you go on to uh podbean.com and then do a search for brad kyle's motorworks podcast uh, you'll see in the upper right hand corner there's a little uh link you can go to that says become a patron And I'm asking for uh, $5 a month. Uh, You can certainly give less. You can give more. Uh, It is month by month. So, um, you know, if you want to do that for a while and then either cancel it or reduce the amount or increase the amount, you can certainly do that. Um, The main thing, the advantage is that I have made some of the podcasts that now are only available as a uh, paid type subscription thing. What I did, the thought process was is that I took the different podcast episodes that I felt that with the information that I gave you, if you apply it uh, in your car ownership life and experience, um, you could literally save yourself thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over your life and certainly your car's life. Um, so I felt that was that was uh, worthwhile, and hopefully people feel like if they want to get that information, they're willing to pay for it. So that's the deal on that. So back to the uh, article: brake pad confusion. What is the best brake pad? Buying a quality brake pad is like purchasing medicine. When you buy a legal drug, you are not just paying the cost to manufacture, package, and market the pill. The bulk of what you are paying for is research and development. The same is true for brake pads. Uh, backing plates. The backing plate creates a foundation for the friction material that must be stiff and stable. This would be the um, the actual metal backing plate part of the pad, just so uh, you understand that. Okay. If a backing plate flexes, the friction material is not in full and even contact with the rotor. This movement can cause longer stops, a softer brake pedal, and the potential for unwanted noise. Look at the thickness of the backing plates and the edge. A poorly stamped backing plate will have rough edges. Also, look at the areas where the pad contacts the caliper and bracket. These areas should be as smooth as possible. The attachment method of friction to the backing plate does matter. For some fleet and safety critical applications like school buses, the manufacturer or insurance company may specify a brake pad that uses a mechanical attachment to secure the backing plate's friction material. Mechanical attachment involves some type of protrusion from the backing plate to hold the friction material. Some backing plates have tiny hooks machined into the surface to hold the material. Other mechanical attachment methods can use welded mesh and posts. Corrosion qualities. Many use a protective layer of paint or powder coating to protect the backing plate. This is applied after the friction material is mated with the backing plate. This protects the exposed metal surfaces. Galvanization is a plating process in which an outer layer of zinc and other metals is applied to the backing plate by a process called electroplating or electrodeposition. This bonds the galvanide layer to the, excuse me, this bonds the galvanized layer to the backing plate at the atomic level. Galvanization is done before the friction material is attached to the backing plate. By galvanizing the surface between the backing plate and friction material, the possibility of corrosion that can cause edge lift and delamination is eliminated. Isn't that exciting? Hardware. Hardware is a broad term that covers abutment clips, anti-rattle clips, and much more. When you buy better brake pad sets, the quality and completeness of the brake hardware improves. The first improvement is the material used for the hardware. Low-quality hardware might use a plated or coated steel. Better hardware uses stainless steel. This upgrade yields a more corrosion-resistant surface. Some premium pad lines might use layered materials that can dampen noise and vibration. Hardware also includes brake shims. Brake shims prevent and reduce the transmission and amplitude of vibrational forces that cause excitation of the caliper, pad assembly, and the attached structure. Ooh, isn't that saying a lot? They're just talking about basically it's a way of either reducing or eliminating vibration. I mean, squealing and squeaking and things like that that people hear from brakes. That's essentially a high frequency vibration. So what they're talking about is by doing, um, using different hardware components and and potentially chemicals and things like that to either reduce or eliminate that high frequency vibration. So these vibrations are very small and properly engineered shim. These vibrations are very small, and a properly engineered shim can isolate a vibration before it excites the caliper and knuckle. On premium pads, this is accomplished by viscoelastic dampening material that is a sandwich. These shims prevents, prevents vibrations that start at the pad and rotor from being transferred into the caliper and knuckle. Friction materials. Friction materials are difficult to classify as premium just using your eyes. Also, most friction material engineers would tell you classifying friction materials and ceramics being the best and non-asbestos organics as the worst, this simply does not work because all the other ingredients in the mix have just as much influence over the performance on the vehicle. The structural properties of a ceramic material are very stable under high temperatures much like Corning cookware. But this is where the comparison breaks down. The ceramic material that goes into a brake pad are very small strands that are engineered to be a certain length and width. Since the ceramic materials offer stable performance under a wide range of temperatures, they offer quiet performance. Some semi-metallic pads incorporate metal fibers to provide structure and friction characteristics. The metals used are typically high-quality steel, copper, and other exotic metals semi-metallic pads can be found on many different applications from sports cars to luxury SUVs non-asbestos organic which is also known known as NAO friction materials are difficult to classify because the name invented when many fat manufacturers shifted away from asbestos fibers and brake pads technically ceramic fric- technically ceramic friction materials could be classified as NAO material what makes one friction material quieter or better than another it's a two-part answer first if a friction material is better at keeping a constant coefficient of friction across broad temperature ranges and environmental conditions it's probably a quiet pad a consistent friction material causes less variation in vibrational excitation at the friction coupling by having consistent brake torque in environmental extremes well there's a mouthful Second, some friction materials leave or transfer a layer of friction materials, transfer film, or seasoning is what that's uh, considered on the rotor surface that some friction material companies claim can smooth out the rotor surface, thereby causing less excitation and noise at the friction coupling. Also, this transfer layer may not be as sensitive to heat-induced brake torque variation. These two performance parameters are dependent on the application. This means that the friction is formulated are specific criteria about the application. This is why some friction material lines have only one brake pad formulation for an application. You don't have to choose between different formulations. When an aftermarket brake pad manufacturer is developing or reverse engineering an application, rarely do they test on an actual vehicle. This type of testing is expensive and time-consuming, and the human element can alter the results. On the other hand, a brake dynamometer can test brake systems in a controlled environment that mirrors the real world. It can run 24 hours a day and measure the performance of a braking system over its entire lifetime. A brake dynamometer is also more sophisticated in that it can simulate the conditions the brake system will experience in a much shorter time. This means that a brake dynamometer can simulate the mass, inertia, and performance capabilities of a vehicle. In the engineering world, there is a saying that goes, one test is worth a thousand expert opinions. This saying is also true for the brake technician. So, after having said all that, I guarantee you, if you were to be in a room of, whether it be car enthusiasts that want to talk about brakes and brake parts and stuff like that, or it's a room full of uh, professional shop owners or technicians, and you start bringing up brake pads and and, uh, brand names start coming out, nobody's going to necessarily agree. (laughs) You may have a room full of arguing. (laughs) So there's a lot of different, you know, after all is said and done, there's a lot of different brake pads out there. There's a lot of different brands. There's formulations all over the place, Okay. If you're going away from either factory or or what would be considered OES original equipment supplier, which is what I use in my shop, um, they I use brand name wise on BMWs. This is specific as far as BMWs. I use either typically Jurid. Uh, I've heard it name. The other one I've heard is is either pronounced Paget or Pagied. I've heard it uh, pronounced both ways. Uh, Aute, Ate, A T E is a original equipment manufacturer for BMW and um that's uh that's about it as far as i know um the popular aftermarket ceramic pad is called akibono uh a-k-e-b-o-n-o i personally have not used them on bmw's uh except for when i do run across the car that that from factory has ceramic pads then either i will use uh factory pads or akibono but a lot of shops will use the ceramic pad in replacement of what would have normally have been a um, you know a semi-metallic type of pad or certainly again a a special formulation for in this case BMWs but there's a lot of different uh, pads out there unfortunately um, as I said in the the episode where I talk about counterfeit parts there's also brake pads out there that are supposedly made out of uh, compressed uh, grass clippings and sawdust so which obviously would be exceptionally dangerous to use those on a car since they won't really um, work. (laughs) Kind of probably tend to start fire or something, I don't know, with all the heat generated. So, you know, brakes, there's a lot going on. Um, I I don't know if I've mentioned this before on another podcast, but if you think about it from the standpoint of performance and how, you know, like the people talk about, well, how how fast does it take or how long does it take for a car to go from 0 to 60 miles an hour? Okay, and obviously the faster it can go the higher performance the engine and transmission and driveline is the goofy part is that people don't think about and I'll be doing a podcast here in the next month or so where I'm going to talk about performance tuning and not just for the engine but for the whole car and sometimes it's real popular to make the engine go faster and, and have more horsepower but people don't think about they forget about that they need to slow down and the crazy part about it is that the amount of feet it takes you to go from 0 to 60 is a lot longer than the the horsepower, if you think of it this way, the horsepower that the brake system is taking to go from 60 to 0. Okay? Uh, a decently, uh, you know, well-performing brake system on let's say like a high-performance car or a European car that's, you know, made for the autobahn so on and so forth. The distance to stop from 60 to 0 may be anywhere from 120 to 100, 150 feet. You're not getting from 0 to 60 in 150 feet. It ain't going to happen. So from that standpoint, the brakes are actually producing more horsepower than the engine and the line can. Okay, so... If you choose to pick your own brakes or you're interested in looking into it, again, there's there's 16 gazillion different uh, options out there for you. And you want to make sure you have to be really realistic that you're picking a brake, fat, brake pad formulation that is designed for what it is you're going to be using the car for. I mean, you would not want to be using a, some kind of a track set of brakes uh, just because they can take all kinds of heat and abuse, and then you're driving the car on just a normal street. Okay? Because racing brakes or track brake track use brake pads they have to be warmed up before they will work properly, so how's that work if you leave your house to go to work and you're just driving the car normally and you hit the brake pad or the brakes uh, the brake pedal and you have no brakes or you have very not very well working brakes because you haven't heated them up because you bottom line you've put on the wrong brake pads on your car so Food for thought. Anyway, um, I just thought that was an interesting article. Uh, I wanted to get that information out there for people who are interested in kind of learning a few things about their breaks. Uh, obviously, I could have gotten, you know, this article, like I say, was sort of written in somewhat lay terms. Understand that if you're trying to actually go out and shop, like compare uh, one break formulation to another, you're never going to get that information. That is proprietary, Okay. Uh break pad companies do not share that even amongst themselves, uh, as far as you know from each other, obviously. Totally proprietary. They could tell you and they'd have to kill you. Okay, so you know, there we are. So anyway. Appreciate you lift, listening. Um I hope you found it informative. Uh, as usual, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast five at gmail.com. I'm also on, on uh LinkedIn. And again, I would love to have you support uh, me and the the podcast and and future research and training and so on and so forth. So check that out. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your listening. I hope you have a, a great today and a fantastic tomorrow. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you, and thank you again.